Welcome to The Close Podcast, where we break down how to hire effectively and how to land your dream job into easily digestible chunks. Each week, we'll break down a recruitment-related subject, giving our perspective and advice, and we'll also answer listener questions. Welcome to The Close Podcast. So this week, we're doubling up. We've got Craig back on deck. He loves it. Loved it last week. Dying to come back. And we've also got Jill um jill Ryder, she's joining us today bringing 15 plus years of experience oh, with more her. than that 30 plus well, years i reckon i've, I've been purposefully vague young, there as to not to... quite young which i, I like That's yeah good. i didn't want to give away your age i know you get a bit weird about it um so today we are exploring um i don't know how best to phrase this so Remember when we all used to pretend to be professionals and how COVID has changed the way that we present ourselves. And what I mean by that is, I feel as though there's a lot more comfort now, certainly in our world, and I think across most most organizations, in people just being themselves and not necessarily having to think as hard about being the suited and booted professional. COVID invited everybody into each other's living rooms, bedrooms, homes, and working from home following that. We've seen each other's dogs, We've seen each other's kids. We've seen piles of washing in the background. <laughs> I feel like that whole thing's changed. So I wanted to talk about it and get your thoughts on how it's affected the market, how we work, and what it means for candidates working at home. I miss it. I, I miss going out in a, in a suit and client meetings face-to-face. I feel like um, it's good to get that personal side. I feel mm-hmm. like you are now able to build relationships a little bit easier when you see someone's living room, a bit of wall art, uh, you know, a pet. Um, like people, have, that barrier is broken down um, a lot more so now than what it was previously. But I do, I do miss the going out face to face, grabbing a coffee, building more meaningful relationships. I would say, and we've the- lost that. Do you feel like when you go out and do the face-to-face thing that you're still putting on this like professional front or are you more comfortable being Craig Sibley? Ah, that's a good question. Um, I'd say I'm more comfortable being Craig Sibley now. I mean, if anyone should be trying to put on a front, I would suggest it be you. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I don't know whether it has really changed. Be not. Go on, Jill. I think people still have for the main people have different compartments they've got their work work life they've got their home life and and yes with working from home we got to see people's living rooms that type of thing but i think they're still for the main i would say still doing the work still doing their home life and probably like separating those um yeah because they've still got to do their job they're still got to perform in that role then they've still got to be a mom a dad or a partner or whatever at home um mm-hmm. i don't think working from home has has necessarily sort of changed that um do you not find it's, it's become more blurred though now like when yeah. we initially went into covid people were in meetings 20 hours a day and like they were it was impacting relationships and it was impacting their work-life balance and the mental health and things like that. And I still believe now people are reluctant to come back into the office. People mm-hmm. are reluctant to do face-to-face meetings. 
um, yeah. like more and more people are willing to to come back in, but I think mm. I still think there's massive a massive challenge around that. I don't know if it's because I, I had obviously a baby during COVID, and I felt like I don't know if it was COVID that changed things or the fact that I'd become a dad, but like I'm very comfortable now chatting to a client or chatting to a candidate on the phone when River's snapping around my feet and crying and moaning in the background. Whereas I feel like if I had had that situation two or three years ago before COVID, mm. I wouldn't have wanted a candidate or a client to hear that I've got a kid snapping around my feet because it's not professional. Mm. So I, either I just had a, the wrong idea of what it meant to be a working parent or the people that we work with have become more accepting of the fact that's interesting that considering the haircut the haircut you had two or three years ago when you walked around like that so. <laughs> so, yeah, i've come a long way since the long <laughs> the long hair yeah i think it kind of depends on the situation there's still times and i i just think to last week where i wouldn't want like a client that i'm trying to pitch to here my daughter asking me if she can have another cornetto do you know what i mean um <laughs> I'd ra- I, so I, for me, it kind of depends on the scenario. I think internally, yes. like our meetings and all that. Oh, definitely. That's yeah. fine. I don't. That that's all good. But that's always been all right. Like in terms of that. So internally, I reckon. Yeah, definitely, it's become much more um, relaxed, I suppose, in terms of meetings and that type of thing. Um, and, uh, clients, uh, there have been instances where I've been. Um, picking up at my my kids and I'm taking a client call and they're in the back but I suppose that that was the same before so I wouldn't was really it, say right? for me there's not that much much change on that front that I could think about. Hmm. I'll tell you what I did have um, I kind of purposefully positioned a record you know when I sit in the sunroom and I've got that like bookshelf behind us. Purposefully you, put, posi- you place things there as talking points. I did I did right and I had this record one of my favorite records a real Montaigne record just just there and if you knew what it was you would clock it and otherwise maybe not and uh there is somebody who is now a client of mine who will know if he's listening um who spotted the record and i'm not yeah, saying it was just the saying. record that got me in the door there because you did that with a surfboard because you've never been on a surfboard in your life <laughs> and you've got a green luminous <laughs> surfboard there that. as well it's what, good can put, what, what can i get in the background here that might help me yeah, I don't know. You need, you need to get something in there, man. Important <laughs> points. I have been on the surfboard, by the way, just not a lot since becoming a dad. There's no time. <laughs> Little paddle. No time. Yeah. <laughs> I like uh, it. All right, so we, we're not we're not all in agreement, really. We don't know if it has changed things or if it hasn't. I think it has. People people have definitely become more relaxed now, haven't they? Um, and I think because people are more relaxed, the the barriers have lessened so to speak really yeah um like you're seeing people more vulnerable i would say or not maybe not vulnerable yeah that's, but... I, I think that yeah um, um, all right so what are some of the some of the potential drawbacks or negatives of that having happened then there's one obvious one for me i think i think pardon i said there's one obvious one for me but what's that just that Working people late. can't yeah, you just can't switch off. You don't have that same separation and come down time on your commute where you get home yeah. and you're, you're back to being a dad or a wife or whatever. Yeah. People are suffering from burnout now, aren't they? Like they've mm. never before. Yeah. And um, even just to sit at your desk can be quite, and like no interaction can be quite, like from a colleague, 
it, it can get quite stressful. Definitely. Mm. And yeah, I definitely so. wear it longer when I'm working from home. And yeah, and and that and also it's very stressful when you're like trying to do two things at once and doing neither that great. Like I'll oh, I'll just you know kids are here I'll I'll sort them out. You do that right. I'll just jump back on or um you know I never used to do this but I do it every week now. So I'll be pick them up, come back on the the days that I'm doing pick up, and then they're getting ready for swimming. I'll carry on doing some stuff, and it is. It's like yeah. I feel like I'm constantly scrambling. Mm. I don't know whether just... that's just symptomatic of my life or whether that's the working from home, but I would never have had a desk set up. So I think there's a lot of people who'll be doing the same thing. I really do. I, I think there's, there's so many benefits to working from home, though, as well, whereby, you know, I, I don't work from home that much. I, I like a I like a routine and I like being around people and having that connection. But when I do work from home, it's a great opportunity to do chores. You know, wash the pots, put a wash on, hang it out to dry. It is. Um, you know, go to my local. But then is that a distraction? Local... Well, maybe, but aren't people bigger distractions? Oh, you are in the office, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't know where there's more distraction. I think, I don't know, the office probably. Definitely, definitely. Going for a coffee, yeah. bit of banter. Where is it I, I actually think I'm more productive in the office. You don't speak to definitely. anyone in the office, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> Put yourself in the corner and get on the phone. <laughs> You've seen how hard well, it is to find business analysts. Yeah, I mean, have, no, you, read, I mean, have you read my recent post? <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Shall we um, keep this snappy and move on to some listener questions? Yeah. But what we'll do, we'll, we'll read one each. Okay, here we are from Susie. I've been thinking of making a move for a while, but I'm worried about telling my manager that I'm on the lookout. Should I keep it to myself until I'm ready to resign? Ooh. That was such a radio. So... It was very, very eloquent, that, wasn't it? Mm. Sounded Pardon proper. You, you've, you've lifted the, you've kind of raised the bar on the professionalism yeah. of the podcast there, the way you read that. Yeah. It's like very <laughs> FM, mm. FM DJ style, that. Oh, wow. <laughs> watch out you've got you've got competition on your podcast mm. i think in an ideal world there are some exceptions but in an ideal world you should definitely not wait until resigning um to have a conversation with your manager um i think i'll talk about the exceptions but you know if anyone who works for me if they're not happy um i want to kind of have a conversation i want i want them to feel that they can be open and honest with me without judgment um and just talk through things so that everyone's on the same page do you know what i mean and that may mean that um that person still leaves and that's fine as well um but i think it it, it leaves a much better experience for both people if you can have that conversation um and not just be like i'm leaving here's my four weeks notice especially if you've kind of worked for that person for a long time um i think as well like a lot of people get really stressed out about resigning and leaving a, a role um and actually it should be treated and almost celebrated if it's all been a good experience for both like the employee and the employer things always come to an end that's a, a cert we all know that at some point we will leave this role we're all just passing through we're not we're not going to be here on our deathbed work working for precision right 
So uh, we're all passing through. For some people, it might be a, um, a short time. For some people, it might be a long time. But everyone's just passing through. And I think that True. that end piece um, needs to be handled much differently. I think we 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 we're frightened of it. It's almost like death. We're frightened of death. We don't talk about it. And and like while resigning is not not death, it, it's it's that same sort of principle. Um, and we should be much more open about it. We should feel we can talk about it. Um, a person should be able to leave and, and not feel be made to feel guilty. So, yeah, I would definitely say, where possible, have that conversation. I think that's good advice. And also, as well, on, on that, you know, you've been thinking about looking to move for a while. You have a chat with your manager about that. There may be things that they can do in the business mm. to actually meet. Yeah what you're looking for whether that be you yeah. know an opportunity a different opportunity a pay rise you know you yeah. can address that and have that conversation yeah. instead of waiting t- until you get yeah. an offer down the line and then you go oh well here's a 30 grand pay rise or yeah oh, yeah it's better off doing it in the right order mm, um, yeah. and a lot of people don't do that because they're frightened to have that conversation mm, and yeah. they could be missing out on the best opportunity which is right where they're at and i mm. i would say that happens at least 50 percent of the time 100%. People don't do it because they're frightened. They don't want to look like they're greedy. They don't want to look like they're unhappy. They want to just be like that person. But I think that that dialogue should always be open. I have come through and come from environment where as soon as you suggest you're leaving, you're as good as walked out of the business. Brutally. Yeah, yeah, not so bad. Sure. yeah and so then bad. that would mean that you're not in the right organisation, are you? So yeah. then, you know, maybe Actually, that is, is a good a good prompt for you to leave as well because yeah. it's not right. In my um, in my first recruitment role, my manager was like my best mate sort of thing, like he's class, Connor he's called, um, and I had made a decision to leave to come to Australia, and I didn't hadn't told him yet and couldn't figure out when to tell him, and I was dead nervous about it, mm-hmm. um, and I knew that once I did tell him, he was going to have to run it up the chain, and I was probably going to get the boot from the business, um, and so it got to the point where I was in a room one morning, basically hadn't had a chance to speak to Connor to tell him that I was leaving, but I got into this meeting that was. Connor and his boss presenting me with my promotion criteria and what I needed to do over the next six months. And because Connor was my mate and I wanted to tell him first, I sat through that meeting (laughs) playing along around the fact that, yeah, yeah, I want to get promoted. I'm going to do all this stuff for the next six months. And then as soon as the manager left that, I tell Connor it was the weirdest thing. So bad. You're not going to conflict though, are you? I'm not. I'm not. But that was the environment, man. Yeah, it's difficult. Next question. Question two. Oh, I can see myself getting triggered. I've only skimmed over it. There we go. <laughs> I recently accepted a counteroffer from my current employer after they learned I had planned to move on. I'm happy with it and it feels like the right thing. How will I be perceived in the market? Well, you're not going to be see- perceived very well. Um, I think it kind of ties into the question before there, what we just had from Jill, that you should be having that discussion with your manager way before getting the offer from your current uh, or the new potential employer. Um, it, it it doesn't look good. And from my personal perspective, I'm just trying to be point. careful with my words. Um, I personally, if you're accepting a counter offer and we've already had, like I have the conversation with candidates that you need to speak with your manager first. You know, if they present you with a counter offer, what will you do? How will you approach that? Um, generally, there's got to be a very good reason for accepting a counter offer. For me, um, I generally 
stay clear of that candidate for a while, <laughs> generally. Um, so well, it's just it's just um, it's a red flag for me. Like it's it's more from an ethical standpoint. It's principle. Um, that's that's where I would go with that. And um, I mean, Jill, you may have a different perception here, or someone can word it in a way that doesn't sound like so uh, bullish. Go on, just say it as brutal as you're thinking it. Oh, I thought you were gonna. No, like, no, no. I'm, I'm just. Else. I just want to see what what you would say in this situation. Really, I mean. Yeah, I think um, things aren't always as black and white as that. There's yeah. always sometimes a bit of grey. There can be some reasons why that happens, and it's it's perfectly okay. Um, I think well, we know, don't we? In in this sense, that we know that they do accept the counter offer within six to twelve months. They're, they're looking again anyway, aren't they? Statistically. Yeah, the majority are. Yeah, yeah, the majority of people are. Um, and there are a small minority that are not, and that small minority mm. would be where that grey area is as well, I'd say. Mm. Um, I think what this job has, has maybe taught me is, like, originally I was, like, really black and white. Yes, no. Whereas now sometimes I try and look at where, try and, try and see that, that other angle um there can be instances where they accept a counter offer and it's the right thing to do and it's just that yeah. circumstance mm. yeah um but over, overall well. overall i'd say most well not a lot but going back to our first point a lot of people are having that conversation with their bosses yeah. and they could save a lot of their time and, and a lot of their angst by just doing that first and then yeah. similarly like their reputation and all that um yeah. it can get damaged by you know essentially accepting one role and then declining it so um i'd just go back to like having that conversation about with with your boss or you might decide actually i'm definitely need to leave because this is the reason and be really clear on what those reasons are to make sure that the role that you're going for is is ticking those boxes so mm. that if a counter offer does come it it's already like nah that's not the yeah. right thing that's not the right move for me I think the, what you said there that hit the nail on the head for me was probably the, the, the reputation. The reputation and your integrity has, has been damaged mm. if you're taking a, a counter-offer. Potentially, mm. but only, I would say only in a very small way. It can only, you've only really damaged it potentially with your new potential employer, your recruiter, maybe if there was one. But in terms of like market perception, the market's not really going to know, right? It's not like you, unless you've announced it on LinkedIn saying, woohoo, I'm going to join a new business. And then two weeks mm. later, say, actually, I'm not. Um, it's complicated. Yeah, word travels fast, doesn't it? I suppose it does, yeah. Um, all right, question three, I'll take it. Uh, I'm struggling to get experience with big companies, but feel it would look good on my CV to get a Woolworths or a Qantas on there. Is it true that bigger brands are looked upon more favorably? Yes, I'd say short answer. Overall, I think it doesn't hurt to have a big brand on there because it's recognisable. People generally know the quality of the people that are working in those types of organisations. But I wouldn't be searching for a Woolworths or a Qantas at the expense of the actual experience and the work that you're doing. I think that's more important than the brand and your narrative, your story, what you're responsible for. That's the sort of stuff that really matters. Would be my answer. Anything that's that, Adam? Sweet. Yeah, I mean, that is what it is, eh? Yeah, I think the only thing I counter that with is like, obviously, if you've got loads of, say, for example, CBA, uh, you know, your banking clients, and then you're trying to get into another client, that's when it becomes tricky. Or if you've got a lot of retail and you're trying to get into somewhere else, mm. that's when it becomes yeah. tricky. So, 
kind of got to decide what you're looking for. If you want to stick in your banking, financial services, or government, or you want to have a little variety, like I think. Yeah, it's true. Um, true. I think the reality is, though, that it is only going to help you having bigger or well-known brands as opposed to yeah, all startups or all really small brands. Um, and, and then also, obviously, like, those are the uh, organisations that have the most opportunities. So kind of law of mm. averages. If you've got experience in those, then it's going to be easier to get another role of that sort of similar yeah. scale. Go on, Jill, you take number four. I was recently approached to give a reference for a candidate that I actually had a bad experience with. I don't want to give a bad reference, but also don't want to give a good one. What should I do? You ever had this, Jill? Yes. Are there any legalities around this? A lot of companies now are not giving out references, are they, because of this? Because I think, I, I don't know the legals on it, but I think they're frightened of getting um, sued. Mm. Um, I think you can always have, you, you could always say you don't give out references, but then that is not being sort of upfront. Um, I, I think it's kind of case by case. I don't know. It's a tricky one, that. I also um, think it's weird that, in no disrespect to this person, that you would request a reference from somebody who didn't think very highly of you. But there's obviously been a well, isn't that a self-awareness of... problem that maybe you, you you think someone respects you and like you know, you know that not everyone in the business would give right, not everyone in this business would give me a great reference, right? There'll be people who just aren't bothered, right? Mm. No, yeah. I, people can't see Jill's eyes, but it would take intense. so but I, I, would, I, think I would choose one of you. Case. I think it's case by case as well. Like some people weirdly do do get bad references. Um, most often they don't. That's why we do background checks, um, mm. off the record background checks. Um, I wouldn't ever go and want to sabotage someone, even if they were an absolute pain in the butt. Um, mm. However, if I felt by giving certain feedback would either help that person in their next role to get the right role I would definitely give that over and I have done before and it's not gone down well but I just think it's the right thing to do for that person mm -hmm. um and also also um if it's if I'm if I I would never want to give someone like a hospital pass where someone's an absolute nightmare and I'm not saying anything so I would yeah. certainly try and say things as well on that front yeah but it's tricky it's tricky Mm. All right, Craig. I think you have to be subtle. Yeah, for sure. Read the situation. Um, is it me bringing it home? Go on. I'm going to take some extended time off to travel now that travel is back. I'm thinking of 12 months as a round the world trip or something like that. Will this be hard to explain to potential future employers? Absolutely not. Like. Okay. No, like we've just been in probably the most stressful period you could imagine, really, with COVID. Been in solitude for on and off for two years, and life's kind of been put on hold. Like, absolutely, if you want to go around on a around the world trip for for twelve months or whatever, I think go for it. Mm -hmm. And um, I think most people will be, most clients will be understanding of that situation. And if they're not, then you don't want to work for them anyway. Um, so, Jill, I'm going to be looking at taking 12 months off in uh, <laughs> a couple of months. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think... I think, I think I'll enjoy the yeah. break. No, joking. joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, joking. But, yeah, I think that's absolutely fine. As long as you can justify it and you have gone around the world and not kind of just 
I mean, even if you wanted to take it off and do nothing and have a break. It's yeah. been physically and mentally draining period for a lot of people. So I say, why not? I think the only time you might not do that is if you're like just starting out in a career, because then it yeah. might yeah. get sort of stop start. But like, let's say you've got five years plus experience, you want to take whatever and you want to take a, a trip. Um, I think that's that's a good thing to do. I think before you leave, maybe have a think about kind of getting everything in order so that when you come back, you can get a role easily, you know, like your LinkedIn, your CV, mm, your contacts, yeah. you tell all those people, because you don't want a 12-month sabbatical turning into a two-year, and on my second year, I really yeah. want to work and I can't get a job, which is That's unlikely, true. but I think, like, it, you, you can go away and you can feel, you can have, like, a, a brilliant trip and know that everything's in order for when you get back. I think it's important as well, like, you know, a 12-month around-the-world trip, you learn about different cultures and learn more about yourself. And you're actually getting these life experiences coming back, which are going to add value as well. Like some people yeah, just I, think, I, oh, I you've got to, got to work, got to work all the, all your life. You get out of school, you've got to work. No, you're not your job. Like, you know, go out there and enjoy yourself. And like you say there, just, <laughs> sorry, Joe's laughing at me. Um, but yeah, just like kind of, it's got, it's all about balance, isn't it? But um, yeah. yeah, you're right. I, I, I would see it as a really attractive like piece of someone's story. If they had 12 months yeah. of travel, I'd be like, cool, I want to talk about that. I want to know about them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. They are interesting people, the people that travel. Oh. I'll do what Jill does and just take holidays and work from the UK and, like, back, backwards. <laughs> Nocturnal owl Night recruiting shift. BA roles. <laughs> <laughs> right, it? on that note. Non-stop, non-stop. Um, Jill, thank you very much for jumping on. That was fun. What was your highlight, Jill? You are very welcome. I really enjoyed chatting to you two young men. Lovely. Well, All right. right. very quickly, if anyone has got any questions that they want us to answer, it's chris.coolthought at precisionsourcing.com.au or you can contact myself or Craig via LinkedIn. Um, yeah, the more questions we get, the better, the more we've got to talk about. So thanks to everybody who's sent them in so far. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.